This morning we're working, uh, continuing to work our way through the book of 1 John and uh, we're up to um, chapter 4, verses 13 to 18. Um, yep, that's good, Sal. Um, and I'm reading from the ESV version, but it shouldn't be too much different to the NIV, which is on your screen. It says, By this we know that we abide in him and he in us, because he has given us of his spirit. And we have seen and testified that the Father has sent his Son to be the Saviour of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. So we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love and whoever abides in love abides in God. And God abides in him. By this is love perfected with us, so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment, because as he is, so also are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. Um... Uh, we've, as we've been looking through the uh, book of 1 John, we've been talking about um, the fact that in the early church, um, false teachers had crept in. And um, the book of 1 John is kind of um, aimed at encouraging the Christians and helping them to discern what is, really is Christianity and what is this thing that has crept into the church that it seems like Christianity is very close to Christianity but is actually not and um, and as we work our way through uh, 1 John we, we find that there's at least um, kind of five things that Christians uh, believe, it's kind of like some five must haves um, we believe and just coming from the book of 1 John we believe that Jesus is Christ and that comes from 1 John 2, verse 22. That means Jesus is God. Uh, Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Uh, the second thing is that we believe that Jesus Christ came in the flesh. That means um, that God, Jesus was fully God and fully man and came to earth. And we believe that Jesus is the Son of God. That comes from 1 John 4.15. And we believe that Jesus is our saviour, indeed the saviour of the world. And the fifth thing um, that we, we take out of 1 John is that the outworking of being Christian, the outworking of being in Christ, is that we love one another. And also we reject the culture of the world. So they're kind of five things that, that we've been working through. And today, um, we kind of look at the question, um, how do I know that I'm a Christian? What assurance do I have that I'm fully saved? Um, and today, before everybody, each and every one of you walk out of the building, I hope that you can answer that question for yourself in your own heart in the positive. Um, The text today begins with the words, uh, By this we know that we abide in him. Uh, That him is in God and he in us. 
Um, John wants to teach us how to be sure that God lives in us. And one of the things about being a Christian is that we've got in us and we're in God. And um, so the question is, are you sure that God abides in you today? And he wrote this, this letter to help us answer this question. Throughout the, the book, John makes us think about this question over and over again. Uh, in chapter 2, verse 3, he says, By this we may be sure that we know him. And then in 2.5, he says, By this we may be sure that we're in him. Uh, by this we may know that we are of the truth. By this we may know that he abides in us. And on he goes in quite a number of instances um, saying, this is how you know. And um, one of the, in five, chapter 5, verse 13, I write this to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you might know that you have eternal life. And he lists all the reasons why, how we, why we know that we live in him. And today's text is we know that we abide in him and he in us because he's given us of his spirit. We know that we live in God and that God lives in us because he's given his Holy Spirit to us. And straight away you might think, well, how do I know? How do I know if I've got the Holy Spirit? Many years ago when I was a young fella doing a trade in Toowoomba, on a Thursday night at late night shopping, um, a street evangelist came up to me and uh, he sort of put me on the spot, actually. He said, are you a Christian? I said, yeah, yeah, no, I am. And he said, no, no, but, but um, are you a spirit-filled Christian? Yeah, yeah, no, I am. But, but the way he put it was kind of uh, this implication that there was kind of two levels of being a Christian. One was kind of like a, you know, step one of being a Christian and, and being a spirit-filled Christian was something on a, on a different level or something a bit different. Um, and I want to point out that one, the book of 1 John is very clear that this is not the case. Um, Jesus said uh, in John chapter 15 verse 6, If a man does not abide in me, he is cast forth as a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered and thrown into the fire, and burned. So abiding in Christ and having the Holy Spirit doesn't the work of the Holy Spirit in a believer's life is a very wonderful and a powerful thing. The Holy Spirit um, gives us gifts, uh, prophecy, healing, discernment, wisdom, knowledge, working miracles, speaking in tongues. And we're eagerly we're told to eagerly desire the greater gifts. But you'd be hard-pressed to, hard to find anywhere in the Bible that lists these gifts as evidence of salvation, as evidence of someone who abides in Christ. John points us in a different direction with regard to evidence of the Holy Spirit in your life. See, the Holy Spirit convicts us that we need Jesus. And the Holy Spirit confirms in our heart that he is the truth. And the Holy Spirit assures us that we have received the gift of eternal salvation. And by the Holy Spirit, we can cry out, Abba, Father. 
Daddy. We can call God our Father. The passage um, on the screen here today is actually telling us about the work of the Holy Spirit. Uh, It says, and we have, uh, verse 14, we have seen and testify that the Father has sent his Son to be the Saviour of the world. This is something that the Holy Spirit cements in our inner believer's heart. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. Only the Holy Spirit can draw you into this confession. When we realise that the whole world is going the wrong way, but Jesus sent his son to die on a cross on a hill of Calvary to pay for our sins, this revelation is the work of the Holy Spirit in us. It's actually the opposite of what everything that the world would tell you. The Holy Spirit convinces our heart that what we believe, what we say about Jesus is actually true. You can say it, but as um, Curly tells me all the time, but Rob, you've got to really mean it. You've got to really believe it. You can't just say it. And a confession is actually a revelation of what's in someone's heart. So when you confess something, if you were to be interrogated and had a confession, that would actually be a confession of the truth of what you believe. And as time goes on, as we live with God, as we abide with him, the spirit works in us. We grow. Uh, it says in verse 16, so we have come to know and to believe that the love of God ha- that the love of God has for us. God is love and whoever abides in love abides in God and God in him. And so as we uh, walk as a Christian, the Holy Spirit strengthens us in our resolve. He strengthens us that he is the way. He strengthens us to know that we have this gift of salvation. Um, often when I um, go to prepare a sermon I, I pray and, and as I've gone back through many sermons over, uh, over time I've looked and I've, there's one little thing that's always in common I say God what do you want me to tell these people today and the thing in common over and over and over again is Tell them how much I love them. God is more than loving. He's love. He's the only source of true love. And he loves us so much. He sent Jesus to come and live and to die for our sins. Paying the price so high, it would obliterate our sins. It would put them to death. And he didn't just leave us on his own to fend for ourselves. But he gave us his spirit to guide us into the very best life that we can have. The very best life that we can live is abiding in him 
and loving others. And so what I hope that you hear me say today is that the Christian life is a journey. I'm reluctant to use the word process because a kind of a process kind of seems like it's like some stepping stone where you step up and up and up and achieve. But God's working on us and he's working in us. I hope that you won't hear me say that Christians get it all together the moment that they become Christians. Um, in Australia, we're pretty good at seeing through that sort of stuff and, and we kind of know that's just not the case. In fact, it kind of looks like Christians need God a lot more than the non-Christians in some, in some instances. But that's the revelation we come to that we need Jesus. There is no other way. <clears throat> and um, in verse 17, um, it says, By this, and by this refers to the previous verse, it, it refers to abiding in God. So by abiding in the love of God and the love that God has for us, we have no fear of judgment. So for someone who's guilty, judgment holds a lot of fear, especially if the sentence, the potential sentence, is the death penalty. But as we live in Jesus, we come to know more and more that the moment we believed in him, we were given a pardon. We were set free because he took the punishment for us. So to recap so far, um, John is saying that our assurance that we abide in him and he in us is that we've been given his spirit. And the evidence that we have the spirit um, is twofold. One, that we hear the word of God and we confess it as truth in our heart. And number two is that we abide in love. So at this point, it would be good to weigh the evidence personally. Um, I'd like to ask us to ask ourselves uh, three questions about each of those two points. The first question, uh, the first point about hearing and confessing, I mean, the testimony of the scriptures. Have you, do you, are you going through a bit of a tough time? But do you know that the deep down longing of your heart is to join Mary at the feet of Jesus, to do that one thing that was needed? Jesus said, my sheep listen to my voice and, they, and I know them and they follow me. So do you listen to Jesus' teaching and the apostles' teaching about him? Uh, the second question is when your heart grows cool and you drift away from the word of God, do you feel like a godly prompting, a godly guilt that humbles you and brings you back broken to the cross for forgiveness and renewal? When you hear the testimony of Scripture that Jesus is the Son of God and the Saviour of the world, does your heart confess this truth? That is, do you gladly affirm the divine greatness of Christ and how worthy he is of trust, of loyalty and obedience? Does your heart 
exalt Christ as the greatest thing of all. In other words, is he for you the son of God? The second point of John is about loving each other. When you hear a description of love, like in the Bible in 1 Corinthians 13, or when you contemplate the example of Christ's love for us, of the selfless love, does your heart fill with a longing to be like that? I've got to say, um, really struck me with um, what Derek was saying last week or the week before about, about love. Often we think about love, about what we can get out of it, about um, how it's going to benefit us. Um, but Jesus' love was 100% about how it would benefit the whole world. He loved the world so much that he gave himself for the world. And um, in, even in the context of marriage, if a husband loves his wife, that's the sort of love that he um, cares for her with. Um, when you fail in a resolve of love, does it grieve you and bring you broken to the cross, pleading for forgiveness? Is the current pattern for your life to live for the eternal good of other people? Or are you, in your thoughts and your desires and daily choices, are they generally aimed backing and making ourselves comfortable and our name put high? These questions are probably the most important questions you can ever think through. And in the end... Eternal life hangs in the balance. I want to say these things are an outworking of abiding in God. They're not a checklist. Oh yeah, I've got that one right. I've got that one. I haven't got that one right. I've got that one right. But if these questions cause you to wonder, is God really abiding in me? Then I want you to pray with me this morning. I'm going to pray a prayer. If you're 100% sure God's abiding in, in you, I know you're going to be able to pray this prayer with me. Let's pray. Have mercy on me, O God, for I know that my sin is ever before me. I'm prone to forsake you, and go after other things. The eyes of my heart have been blind and I have not seen or cherished your truth and your glory as I should. I'm helpless in myself, Lord. Deliver me, Father, from the terrible deceitfulness of my own heart, creating me a clean heart, Oh God, and give me a spirit that is willing to believe in the truth and the beauty of Jesus Christ. Fill me with joy and peace through the forgiveness of his cross and through the promise of eternal life. Free me from selfishness and pride so that I can love the way that Jesus loves. Into your grace, 
I commit my life, merciful God. From this day, I will never call myself my own. I surrender myself to you, Jesus Christ, my Saviour and my Lord. Amen. So I just want to say in closing that you can know as you leave this place, you can know that you're his child. You can know that what Jesus did on the cross has totally paid for your past. There's actually nothing back there that can latch back onto you this day. There's no sin that can do that. The death of Jesus paid for it all. And that's fantastic.